0: Going back and reviewing volume one of John T. Christians, and the reason why I use that for a textbook is because it's so foundational. Everything he quotes, you can go back and you can study, and it's not misquoted, it's not abbreviated to for his purpose, it's there. Now, we're going to skip over 267, we're going to go into page 268. And it said the independent church of which Henry Jacob was, and we're half down toward the bottom, was the first pastor in which Mr. Lathrop was the second, was often troubled on the subject of immersion. In 1633, during the pastorate, Dr. Lathrop, there was a division in the church, and the subject of dipping in the Baptist church was organized under the pastorate of John Spilsbury, and the church of Spilsbury practicing dipping. It immersed Sam Eaton between the dates of 18th, April the 14th, 8th, 1634, and May the 5th, 1636. Eaton also became a preacher and immersed others. This information was given by John Ty- Tyler, or Taylor, who put it in a rhyme, and we're not going to read the rhyme, but uh, we're gonna go on a little bit further, and we're gonna be coming to America pretty soon After the organization of the church under Spilsbury, the subject of dipping still troubled the independent church of Lathrop. He removed to America in 1634 with a part of his church which brought on a great debate on baptism in this country. And it says, The frequent debates on baptism so unsettled his mind in 1642 he freely declared that the church's convictions on the subject of dipping, and propose that those baptized in the church thereafter be baptized in that form. See, some of these people came out of other churches. It's awfully hard when you have somebody that's raised up differently in other churches when they, when they like if you become a Baptist, it's awful hard to get rid of the Catholicism. It's awful hard to get rid of the Methodist. It's also hard to get rid of the Lutheran ideas. I'm gonna give you a little example and I know that he would not begrudge me in doing this, but Dieter Wolf Berkschauscher, he was a brilliant man, my, my beginning Greek and Hebrew teacher. He was my pastor for about four years and he was a German, he was from Germany. He had been in the Hitler's youth. He um, came to America with his family. He went to the church in Wasco, California where Dr. D.S. Madden was, and he was saved. He married a lady there, Linda, uh, that was a, a prominent member of the church there. And when he had children, now remember now, he surrendered to preach He's a Baptist now, but when he had children, it was very hard for him not to to dedicate and to baptize those kids because that had been in his family. He thought that was just imperative to baptize your child. Uh, Later on, and this was right, you know, he hadn't been saved too many years, but he was preaching, he was studying, he was going to the seminary and all this, and still yet he was carrying this background that he had with him. And he got up and he preached about that several different times. He said, you know what? He said, you may be a member of this church, but you may not be fully a Baptist. He said, I wasn't for 10 years. He said, it took me 10 years to be a Baptist. And he said, and to get rid of my Lutheran background. He said, I just had, it, just, it plagued him. until finally, he said, now, he said, I can tell you that I believe I'm a Baptist absolutely and I'm a Baptist by conviction that's why I'm a Baptist he said when I first came a Baptist, I just started learning about Baptist he said my wife was a lot better Baptist than I was she was a Baptist he was becoming a Baptist but he became a good one it says the independent church organized by Jacob had much most wonderful record for making Baptist the name Baptist really means dippers. The word Baptist comes from baptizo. It means to immerse. The word Anabaptist was given to them because they re-immersed anybody that came to them. But when people come out of other churches and congregational churches, wherever it is, whether it comes out of Lutheran or they come out of Catholicism or whatever it is, it takes a long time to wash that out. And sometimes you never get rid of all of it. It says, making Baptists and the to practice the dipping, they were repeated sessions from it on the account, and it came about, came a number of the great leaders in the particular Baptists. So these are particular Baptists. These are what we call Calvinist Baptists. These are Baptists that believe in salvation by grace. They believe that election is real. And what is election? You're elected by Jesus Christ. Now, this is different, Okay particular Baptists, some of them what they called uh, two seed, that you're either born saved or you're born lost. There's two, it's two seed. And and then there's superlapsarian, interlapsarian, and sublapsarian. It's three different stages of Calvinism or what we might call, uh, well, Calvinism, basically the three different calvinist beliefs now i had uh, a uh, <clears throat> one of my church members one time he came out of a different group and he would not he would not say that he was a calvinist no way in this world because he had come out of an armenian group and i just couldn't no matter how i how i preached no matter how i reached him and his family you couldn't shake that Armenian out of them. It's just there. It was very hard. Will they ever be Baptist? No, they may go to Baptist churches but they'll never really be a true Baptist because they can't get rid of it or they won't get rid of it. Now, in the election, there's five points tulip as you know that Calvin defined, the total er hereditary depractor. Unconditional election Limited atonement, irresistible grace, and preservation of the saints. But when you get the really strictest part of that, the Armenians and the superlapsarians are almost believed the same. And it's, I mean, we're from two solid different poles. But both of them believe that if you don't live a basically an almost sinless life, you're not going to go to heaven. The hyper-Calvinists are gonna say, well, you're not saved. You weren't saved, you're not the elect. You can be a Christian and you can go to church and you can go out, but you're really not part of the elect. And of course the Armenians say, well, unless you live a sinless life, you're not gonna get to heaven. That's where we got the uh, holiness movement. We got two different poles there. William Giffen was the strictest of them all and would not permit those who had not been baptized to preach in Baptist pulpits had not been immersed. That's a good idea. Even those who have immigrated to America uh, precipitated a great debate on the subject of diffing. They wanted to go to Baptist churches, but they wanted them to accept sprinkling and pouring. Now, <clears throat> when you somebody becomes a Baptist, now, what I did when I was, well, I'm still pastoring the church here. But when I pastored a very large church that started out from 15 people, that went up to 350, 400 people. We had a lot of people in there. We had a lot of people on fire for the Lord because I taught the Bible all the time. They were on fire. But before, and they wanted to teach. They wanted to teach. They wanted to go out. They wanted to witness and everything. So the first thing I had them do, if they wanted to become a teacher, they had to go through the all the doctrines of the Bible, the doctrines, basic doctrines of the Bible. And so I taught a class on the doctrines of the Bible. It was called a New Converts class. And I still teach it. You can get it on the internet on Discover the Word with Dr. Jim, on YouTube, discovertheword.com, or sermonaudio.com slash DTW. You can get it on any of those and you can see the doctrines of the Bible. And I go back and I'll teach some of that sometimes. Just throw a class in because it's very important. And so I would teach that, and when they would teach it, when they'd get it, I'd have them teach. And then they had to be sound in their thinking before they could teach. And so they did. And I think that's very, very important. Now they were arguing with pedo Baptists here in America, of course. Baptists were being persecuted here in America. They were being killed. They were being uh, castigated, imprisoned, and all kinds of stuff because people don't like being dipped. Simple as that. I had an old woman tell me one time she was a Methodist, and, and I was being very kind to her, and she said, I saw, you're a Baptist. I saw a Baptist, went to Baptist church one time. Baptist. She said, Baptist, like it was a cuss word. And she said, "I saw somebody being baptized, and it made me want to vomit." You know what? Real baptism is is a controversial thing, but it's very important, and it's not easy. And that's where we are tonight. They Baptists tried to preach. They called them Anabaptists, rebaptizers, but the name Baptist meant the dip. Bob, Baptist comes from baptizo. Up here you see that word baptizo, that means to immerse. The Latin word directly out of that is emergio. And our word immerse comes right out of the Latin. "Rontizo" means to sprinkle. And uh, nepto means to pour. Now effusion, a effusion a in the Catholic Church and in the Church of England, I want you to understand, sprinkling came from the Presbyterians and the and the Lutherans. It didn't come from Catholicism. It didn't come from the Church of England. When these people went out protesting, of course there were Baptists already, dipping people, but the Catholic Church and the Anglican Church both dipped. It wasn't later on. Then they started they, they said your person should be dipped unless they were sick. And then you did a fusion. You poured as much water on them as, so it looked like they were covered. Because baptism is a death, burial, and resurrection. It's a death, burial, and resurrection. And that's our whole subject here. If a man was a Baptist, he was a baptized man. He was a d- immersed man. As simple as that. Cain in 1640 was a baptized man. Such a man was called an Anabaptist. And they called him Anabaptists in this country. They called him Rebaptizers. They, the Mennonites and the Amish are called Anabaptists because they were Anabaptists. They baptized anybody that came to them, whether they did it by sprinkling or whatever, but they were called Anabaptists. And they came all from the valleys of the Piedmont, the Waldenses. But they picked up, of course, Menno Simmons with the Catholic priests. So guess what? He's going to take Catholicism even into the Mennonite system. He's going to take Catholicism, which is Armenian, into the what we might call Anabaptist ranks. Cain okay, in 1640 was a baptized man and such was called an Anabaptist and there is no record of any time that his conversion that he had changed his mind on the subject of baptism or immersion. The third pastor of the Hubbard Church was uh, Samuel Howe, a Baptist. He died in 1640 while pastor of the church. He had been pastor about seven years. He was much lamented. He was a persecuted. He was persecuted, denied Christian burial, and was finally entered into a, an anglican chair. He wrote a famous book called Howe's Sufficiency of the Spirit's Teaching. His contemporaries bore high praise to his ability and the zeal for his work. It was Samuel Howe who greatly impressed Roger Williams and was probably from Howe that Williams learned some of his lessons of soul liberty and dipping in baptism. Now here we are. Let's go on a little bit further now. Let's go on page 277. The Papists pretend antiquity and brag that they're universally against the universality against the truth. We know error is ancient and spreading, but truth was before error. Truth was set in motion at the seashores of Galilee. Catholicism began in two hundred or three hundred and twenty five AD. They try to press prove that they have popes all the way back, but it is a fairy tale. You go back into 200 AD and those that were Catholics, even though they weren't Catholics, they were Baptists at that time, they were Baptists by practice and doctrine. Simple as that. And then by 325 AD we have the marriage of the church and the state which is a great error. Thomas Collier, a famous Baptist in A.D. 1651, affirmed that dipping was the old practice. Now let's go over page 278. Now if you are in Russia especially in the wintertime. They baptize in the wintertime. They baptize themselves, basically. Now, they're already Christians, but they baptize, therefore, to wash away their sins, so they go and wash it away in icy waters. And uh, a lot of these people <coughs> go in baptized. They, they, they wanted to be naked so the water would go all over their body without being impaired by any cloth or material. Now let's go to this on page 278. The Baptists claimed to have the good old way when they practiced immersion. Watts called it a new way since he affirmed that the immersion was not taught in the New Testament. You know, people are fighting with him. He mentioned two things that the Baptist did which he pronounced new. The fact was in 1642 and 1643 they immersed nude women in the rivers. They also immersed nude men in the, women, in the rivers. They were all immersed nude in the rivers for that very reason. That your dipping of women in their clothes is a new business in the church. He takes up much time in uh, elucidating the old slander. Now here the Baptists were baptizing people nude because that was an old practice also. In the... The Jewish tradition, see, baptism comes from Jewish tradition also. Baptism was not new when Jesus introduced it into his church through John the Baptist. They were baptizing, immersing people, they were immersing their lambs before they were sacrificed, and they all did it in baptismal fonts. Now, we had a lot of trouble here in Fish Lake Valley over the years with nudists. Nudist. Nudist. people who run around nude. We've had a lot of trouble out here to Hotwell with nudists, they'd go out there, and of course we built this Hotwell out there and I built a park around it for the people in the valley because we paid for it with our tax money and then people come out here and they say, oh, you can go and camp there, free in Fish Lake Valley. They just go out there and you can camp there for free as long as you want to. And they go out there, the natives come in here and they camp for six months at a time out there and they're all running around nude. Nudism and nudists basically is a religion also. They want to run like, like Adam and Eve did. And that's, they say that's the way God made man to do, run around nude. Let's go on a little bit further now. We're in chapter number... 18, again, we're going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. The reign of Charles I, AD 1625 to 1649, brought almost unlimited disaster upon England and the claim that the king was above the law and came in with the Stuarts. He had inherited from his father Political theories uh, was much disposed to carry on them into practice. He was like his father, a zealous Episcopalian. He was moreover what his father had never been, a zealous Armenian. And though not a Papist like like a Papist, much better than a Puritan. Doctor Humphrey Gower, the Vice Chancellor of the University of, of Cambridge, accurately stated the contention. Now, we still believe and maintain that kings derive not their titles from the people but from God. Now, let's go back to this. In America, in 1770s, when America was going to basically divorce England as her mother and basically ruler over the colonies in America, The Catholic Church and the Episcopalian Church, of course, the Catholic Church told their Catholic adherents in America, in the colonies, that they had to fight on the side of the British or they would be going to hell. They would be excommunicated. Because the Catholic Church said, and the Episcopalian Church said, that kings are ordained of God and that people cannot rule themselves because they don't have enough sense to do it as a democracy. And so the American Republic was founded and it had democratic rules and principles where the people spoke. And Catholicism and the Anglican Church, the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, all believed that the kings were divine Divinely appointed by God. Now we know they aren't, what only? Even though Romans the thirteenth chapter talks about all authority is, is under God and all of this. But kings in America was a great experiment. People living without a king. People living without a king. People ruling them and governing themselves. This was a great experiment. You know that the Catholics, the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, and the Calvinists, and when they were in America, to get your First and Second Amendments, it took Baptists had to die with their blood to get those two amendments into the Constitution. The Baptists didn't want to ratify the Constitution because it didn't give you religious liberty. The Calvinists, the Puritans, all of these people said that you cannot... You cannot allow people to vote and you can't allow people to either go to church or not. They must be forced to go to church. They must be taxed. They must be fined if they don't go to church because unless they go to church, there will be total reprobates and nobody can rule them. Now that was the philosophy of early America. You didn't get the Constitution and the amendments to the Constitution without Baptist blood being spilled. Because nobody believed that the Baptist. They called Baptist atheist because of that. Because they didn't want taxes on people and they didn't want people forced to go to church. You want the church between you and God. And you serve the Lord between you and God and regulating morality is just not something that can be done really rightly. It's been done in a totalitarian state, in Catholicism, Islam, Luther, the, the, Germany, Switzerland, all of these places, they had organized religion that was the church and the state. And you had to pay ties to the state and they would give it to the preachers and pour the to preachers that they wanted in there. All right. We still believe and maintain that kings derive not their titles from people but from God, that to him only they are accountable. Now, let me tell you this also. It's a, easier for the Catholic Church, to the Lutherans or whoever, to rule one man than it is a mass of people, isn't it? Well, is it? You can rule around, and the Catholic Church—they wouldn't allow a king to get married unless they okayed it. The Pope had to okay it. it, You had to have this, and of course, the Baptists come along. They said, if you get married by with a license in the state, you're um, a reprobate, and they told them they didn't believe in marriage. They believed in marriage, fine, between marriage between God and a man and a woman. That's what marriage was in the Bible. The Catholic Church, and it's rubbed off on all ranks, even Baptist churches today. Marriage is a very important engagement. It's something that God invented. But Catholicism used it to manipulate the masses. When you were born, you had to be baptized and become a member of the church and the state. When you got married, you had to get a marriage by the state. When you had children you had to baptize those children. When you died you had to be a certificate and of course then you uh, they admitted purgatory and you know you had to pay a person out of purgatory which was an invention of the Catholic Church. No such thing. But we see all this in, the, in what we call the manipulation of the masses. It says, but to honor and obey the sovereign only comes to be by fundamental hereditary right of succession which no religion, no law, no fault, no forfeiture can alter or diminish. That's why it become America became a new experiment and it was a Baptist experiment. It was a democracy. Every Baptist church is a pure democracy. If it's not a pure democracy, then it's not a Baptist church, simple as that. <clears throat> Churches call their pastors. Churches maintain their pastors. Churches dismiss their pastors, or per- pastors die, and they call them another one. A church is a pure little form of democracy. A Baptist church, that is. All the others are Presbyterian rule. You, you, uh, presbyters, elders, deacons are elected and ordained, and then, then the, <coughs> and of course, the Northern Baptists. They're called Baptists but it's not a democracy. You have the elders and everything and then the elders tell you what you're gonna do and the laity and the congregation gets the vote to affirm what the elders do. But if they voted not to affirm it, it wouldn't make anything anyway. The elders, it's what you call Presbyterian rule. The king endorsed it. That's on page 285. The king endorsed the above with his hand and wrote, keep these particular persons fast until you think what to do with the rest. The malignant hatred of Baptists almost surpasses belief. If I hate any, says the courtier of these times, it is those schismatics that puzzle the sweet peace of the church so that I could, now the church is a Catholic and Episcopal church, that I could be content to see an Anabaptist go to hell on a brown list back, on a brownest back. They wanted them dead. They caused trouble. They preach the truth. They preach the Bible. They preach the tr- what the Bible talks about churches. And there's a mass, a confusion of the world, what a church is. What is the church? you think about Catholicism, you, start, you go to college and study church history, you're going to study the, the history of the Catholic Church. If you go and study the Bible you'll study the history of the Baptist Church. That's the way it is. It goes all the way back to the seashores of Galilee and the church wasn't started on the day of Pentecost. It was started at the seashores of Galilee. They had apostles in the church already. They had treasury church. They had a clerk. They church baptized. The church was sent out on limited commission, all of this before the day of Pentecost. Church, the church had baptism, the church took the Lord's Supper the night before the Lord died. <clears throat> on page 286, it says there were 11 congregations of Baptists in London in 1631. The first. Baptist churches in America, Dr. John Clark and Roger Williams started those in Newport, Rhode Island, in 1639 and 1640, 1638 and 1639. And those churches were in existence for many years. They went under heavy persecution. We're not talking about a church house, we're talking about founding Church members, the congregation is the church not the house even though many church houses have been built but what is the church is the congregation a church house may still stand but the congregations are all dead maybe it's just a monument maybe it's just a historical monument it's just a, a piece of history there but all the people are gone maybe they don't meet anymore they don't meet anymore it's not a church simple as that Tonight we've studied baptism, what scriptural baptism is. It's immersion, nothing else. It teaches and typifies the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We studied about the persecution of Baptists. We studied about the particular Baptists, which are the Calvinist Baptists that came to America and started founding churches here. And the Calvinist Baptists were or, or particular Baptists were probably the soundest of the Baptists at that time. And there was all different flavors of particular Baptists from all the way from superlapsarian to sublapsarian and modified sublapsarians. We're getting back into America again now. I wanted to go back and review some of this so you would not be without sources, even though I said a lot of this by memory before. And I'm going back and just reading bits and pieces of it here and there, which are extremely important. I hope you've learned something from these classes. Our Father, we send them out, this class, as another one, to make people know why they believe what they believe and to be firmly seated in it, that they can be comfortable in their souls and their spirits, that they're doing the right thing according to your word, according to the history of your people. Father, please forgive me where I fail you. Use your word wherever it goes for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.